How do you do, neighbor? It's Bree and Spirits time once again. The boys have gathered around, and they're ready for you. So join in, make comments, and study with the guys as they try to study as the Bereans did in Acts chapter 17. Now, here's the guys. Welcome back to this episode of the Berean Spirits. My name is Chris Peltz. I'm the evangelist with the Southside Church of Christ in Springfield, Missouri. And we've got Richard Dodson with the Kearney Church of Christ up in Kearney, Missouri. Richard, how you doing, brother? Doing good. Doing very good. Thank you. Awesome. Awesome. we got Josh Thornhill with the Brookmead Church of Christ over in Johnson City, Tennessee. Josh, how are you today? I'm doing good. Getting some bad weather your direction? We do have some rain. It was raining throughout the night, and it's supposed to continue uh, today. I think I just saw high wind watch is what it says. Yeah. Um, it's not supposed to rain till tomorrow and again, apparently. Okay. Mm. Well, be careful. I know they've, they've expecting some pretty bad weather your direction. We've got some flood watches out here until tomorrow night. So, well, uh, I figure, you know, I'm in the church building, so the church building should be fine since I'm holding it down. So, yeah. <laughs> well, I got my truck outside. I'm hoping for rain. So it'll wash my truck. <laughs> you know one thing i want to do is take my car wash soap while it's raining and then just wash it and let the rain wash it away well the rain we had over the weekend they had a really strong low pressure system that i guess picked up a bunch of dust down in uh, new mexico and it just dumped it all over us i mean it was just it was some of the worst mess you ever saw from rain and it was <laughs> mud falling from the sky worst mess you ever saw Ever, ever, Josh, it's the worst you ever saw. Ever. And and he would know because he's so much older than you. Yes. Exactly. Exactly. Let it be written, let it be done. There's your segue there, uh, Chris. <laughs> well, first of all, I want to say uh, an early happy birthday, Richard. Thank you. Thank it, you. It's coming up, and I, I'm I'm just surprised you made it. I mean, that's... Me too. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow wow i yeah. mean to to be that old and look so much older is is an is a feat in and of itself yeah it's only been perfected by a few that's right i mean i don't know of anybody 30 years old that looks the way you do i know yeah i know but uh you know when you don't take care of yourself and uh <laughs> You live bad, you know, you can accomplish those things. That's right. <laughs> I do want to make sure people notice I still have hair. That's, That's yeah. I'm going to be 60 years old this week. Where? On my head, where I need it. Uh, big as my head is, I'd just be look like a round button. Right. <laughs> if I didn't have hair. So, uh, yeah, I'm kind of proud of my hair, especially my no. brother. My brother's 10 years older, and he's just as bald as anything. But uh, I, I will say, Richard, I bet I think you do look pretty good for 80. Well, thank you. <laughs> thank you. I, I mean, I, I appreciate that. Oh, wow. Yep. Good, so, good friends. That's right. That's right. <laughs> uh, spending uh, my birthday with you guys is something that most people would try to overlook. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who, who, what is it? A brother or a friend that's given for adversity? <laughs> Both. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you're me, no. <laughs> wow. No, I, I tell you what, sixty years old—that's something, though. I mean, that's that's that's. I I had a hard time turning thirty. I, I could not believe I, my my wife threw a surprise birthday for me when I turned thirty and. I remember there was things on the wall saying 30 and, and I was like, how did I get here? And, uh, 60, it's like, yeah, fella, you're, you're approaching the finish line. So yeah, that's, that's kind of like, wow. Cause in my mind, I still, I feel, you know, Josh's age. I, I just feel young. I yeah. like a lot of the same things I liked when I was young, but. 
my body says different. So I guess that's the way it is. And of course, you know, your, your parents are still alive and they are, I mean, you think about that. I mean, look at how many years you still have to go to you, to where they're at right now. Well, if I get there, yeah, but, uh, yeah. And, uh, and, and the thing that's neat about them is that they just celebrated their 70th wedding anniversary. And that is a big to, uh, the fans. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, that was weird. I don't know. Huh. But uh yeah, 70 years. That's that's something, isn't it? It's yeah. rare anymore. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. Well, well, what I want uh I guess what we're going to talk about today though is is really in in looking at the fact that you are as old as you are, Richard, 60 mm-hmm. years old. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, where I we're going to start with you, Josh, because you know, you think about, you know, I mean, you've got what, 40 years to go before you get to 60. How many? <laughs> He's talking mentally, Josh. Mentally. <laughs> Maturity wise. <clears throat> well, I'm talking about 45 then. Though. Yeah. Right. So, um, yeah, but, you know, we think about, growing right we think about growing not just in our age and not just in our size and weight that <laughs> so often happens um but spiritually speaking and i think that's probably one of the most important things that we can look at and and try to consider because <clears throat> even paul pointed out rather than looking back there in philippians uh, rather than looking backwards you know look forward look ahead to what lies ahead right pressing on to that uh, that upward call, that prize, you know, that eternal life, right? Having a view of eternity. But with that said, and, and understanding that as each day moves, you know, goes on and, and passes as we move forward, you know, there are some expectations, some things that I think we can look at and think about that, you know, where we would like to be if we live to be 60 years old where we would like to be, especially spiritually. And so, Josh, uh, why don't you just, you know, thinking about that for just a minute, <clears throat> you know, where, where do you want to be when you, when you turn 60? Well, I mean, there's so many great options. I mean, there's plenty of great places to live in this. Great- yeah. oh, oh, not, 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 not that way. Uh, did you want me to go through like everything that I was thinking or just kind of give one? Well, you can give us a few and... things to chew on a little bit. We'll, we can come back to you. You can add but before, to before I want to ask you, have you ever even thought of it before this question was posed to you for the show? Probably in some ways. Yes. Okay. I mean, I'm going to, I'm going to have looked forward, but, um, I will say a couple of things that immediately come to mind. Um, when I get to that age, you know, one of the things that I've done a lot is tried to lean on older men, especially with greater knowledge. Um, tried to study with people, ask them questions, just kind of help to, you know, kind of glean from their uh, their years of study and see how I can build my knowledge base. Um, I, I think particularly of my granddad for one, you know, when I was visiting, I you would go ask him a question about something and, you know, he would just kind of go on a, almost preach a little sermon, mini sermon, you know, about uh, the question that I had asked. Um, and, and then on, on a Facebook group that some of us are in that, you know, a bunch of preachers can ask their questions and, you know, a lot of the older men will get on there and you know, share some of their, their sage wisdom. Uh, you know, sometimes it's worth what you pay for it. Um, other times it's invaluable. Um, and essentially I, I want to continue to grow in that area. So that way I can be that resource for those around me when I get older. Um, you think about, I think it's Titus, no, not chapter one, chapter two, 
um, where he talks about the older men being temperate, dignified, sensible, sound in faith, in love and perseverance. Um, and he talks about urging the young men to be sensible in all things. Show yourself to be example in good deeds with purity, doctrine, dignified, sound in speech uh, and all that. He talks about the, the relationship that the older men are to have with the younger men. And I want to have the, the ability to be able to to help the younger folks as they begin to navigate this world, as I have done and or as I have been doing and, and have been seeking wiser counsel at times uh, when needed. Um, I, I guess one way of putting it is I want to reach the point where I can be you know, known as a walking Bible. Um, as I know people who you could describe that way, and and I appreciate that kind of thing, and and want to uh, to have that depth of knowledge about about the scriptures uh, myself. Um, and another thing <clears throat> that I, I think comes to mind um, is wanting to be able to be in a position where I can lead uh, within the Lord's church. Um, I've said for a number of years that you know we don't need to wait until somebody turns sixty to start thinking about oh yeah would would they be qualified as an elder uh, that needs to start when they come from the water of baptism uh, we need to be grooming them and preparing them to to lead within the Lord's church because they are the future leaders and I think one of the reasons we have a shortage of elders is because we just approach that haphazardly and just think, oh, you know, it'll just it'll happen, you know, 40 years from now, it'll happen. Um, but if we train them from the time they're teenagers uh, to desire and to grow into the kind of person they need to be to be a shepherd, that's going to affect their entire life. It's going to affect some of the choices that they make in their life. It's going to affect the woman that they marry. It's going to affect the way that they raise their children. And ladies, it's going to affect the kind of woman that they ought to be, uh, to be a, a the wife of a shepherd. Uh, and, you know, it's going to affect the way that the, the children are raised and, and teaching them to know and to love the Lord. And, and I think that that's certainly where I want to get to at that point, to, to be able to even not not necessarily from a shepherd standpoint but just to be able to be a leader among the lord's people uh, to where i can guide people and, and i can be that that uh, place where people look to uh you know for for guidance and for encouragement and, and strength and and just be able to be a help to those around me as i grow older have you thought about how you're going to get there? Get where? <laughs> well, you know, I, I guess I just take it a day at a time and eventually I'll get there. Okay. Yeah. Well, it's and that's 28 years now, but yeah. I mean, and that's one thing. I mean, just taking it day by day. I mean, we can look ahead. I mean, but you know, James four tells us if the Lord wills, you know, we can say, we're going to do this. We're going to do that. You know, we're going to go here, go there, but ultimately it is, you know, a matter of if the Lord wills, but, but having that mindset and that understanding, if the Lord wills, we, you know, we will do this or we will do that. Uh, but you, understanding God's will, right? I mean, there's certain things we don't know, but there's certain things we do know. Hebrews chapter five, verses 12 through 14 about becoming teachers and, you know, uh, sharing the gospel of Christ. And, and um, you know, I, and, and that's really what I think about more than anything else is uh, a, accomplishing um, the, the idea that, that I've, I've done what I can and the best I can to share the gospel with others, to make sure that they hear the gospel and that they know and understand um, and, and, and do what I can in that respect and to look back without regret. Um, and I think that's, that's difficult because, you know, there are certainly times now, you know, where I, I look back with regret by all means, you know, there, there are things that I know I've messed up on and, uh, and just trying to improve and better as we as I move forward, and you know, while I'm still a few years away from that age, that uh, milestone that Richard is is about to hit, 
um, you know, I, I still look and, and think about hopefully having less regrets than that, than I do now for sure. Richard? Well, regrets, uh, regrets are just something that, uh, I think I've learned to live with. Mm. I got a lot of regrets, but, um, I can tell you, I wish I was the man Josh was at 30. How old are you now, Josh? 32. Okay. I can tell you, I can wish I was the man Josh was at 32, but I wasn't. And, uh, that's no fault of anybody but myself. Um, I can wish for many things, but the thing is, it's not going to change the past. And so, you know, you got to face the realities of where you are, what you are, and uh, you, you have to uh, try to make the best of it. Uh, when I was a young man growing up, and this part I'm proud of, but I took all those characteristics that, uh, that, uh, Josh mentioned from Titus two, but specifically the qualifications of elders that applied to character. And I wrote them down on a piece of paper and I would look at that paper when I woke up and I'd look at it when I went to bed at night and, uh, just to, to remind myself to say, this is the kind of person that I want to be when I get older. And, um, in many cases, you know, I think I've accomplished that, uh, but there, there's such a level of spirituality that because I was careless and stupid when I was young, that, uh, I'm not at, and so there's there, am I the man I want to be at 60? I can tell you, no, I'm not the man I want to be at 60. Um, and I, 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 when I was thinking about this show, you know, I, I wrote down some things and I'll, I'll share some of these things with you. Uh, but the first thing that I want to, uh, mention is, uh, being a man of prayer, uh, devoted to prayer, I'll pray. But when I compare myself to Jesus, I'm like a man that doesn't pray. I really am. Uh, in Luke chapter six, you know, we have a passage where it said Jesus continued in prayer all night. Well, I've never done that. Not that I remember. I mean, I prayed off and on before over something troubled, but I can't remember ever praying all night, but Jesus did. And then, uh, he would get up in Mark one he'd get up early in the morning and he'd go off to a desolate place, you know, where he wouldn't be disturbed and he would pray. I mean, that's, that shows me <laughs> that our savior, uh, how devoted he was to prayer. And, uh, and that's something I'm going to tell you right now at 60, I need to work on, I need to be more devoted to prayer. And if anybody's listening, who's younger, like Josh's age or anything, that's something that you need to think about is being more devoted to prayer. I, I, I can't emphasize that enough. Even if you don't think it's doing you any good, do it anyway, because God said to do it. And, um, you know, your understanding will follow, but that's something that, uh, uh you know, I preach on, I preach on prayer and I believe in prayer, but there is a level of spirituality that I have not yet attained. And so when I look to that example of Jesus, I, I wish I was there. And so that's, that's one of the things I would like to be at, at 60 that I'm not is more, <clears throat> more devoted to prayer. Now, if you guys got something you want to add, just chime in. But I got some other things I want to add. Well, uh, um, go ahead, Josh. Yeah, I was going. To I was going to say in relation to the prayer. I think Chris Kramer said it on this show, um, and we've discussed it a time or two after that. But um, that idea of if you want to be devoted to prayer, then set your alarms at various times throughout the day. I believe he suggested nine, three, and nine. Yeah. Um, 
pick a time, whatever time's good for you, and and just have the discipline to actually, uh, you know, stop what you're doing and pray. And I think that I can't, I, I mentioned that every time somebody tells me that they want to be better in prayer, uh, I bring that up because I, I think that's a, a fantastic way to incorporate prayer into your life every day. And, you know, eventually it should get to the point where you know, it's not that you're, you know, you're waiting for the alarm to go off to, for that time. Um, or, or it's just a habit like Daniel says in, in Daniel chapter six, where he goes after the decree by King Darius was signed, he goes to his home and he prays three times as was his custom. And, and so I think that is a great way to help that become a custom of ours. I've done that. I have but, as well. uh, And I can tell you that you do feel better. Yeah, and and uh, it's it's a good thing to do. The problem with that is getting it to be a habit because of the distractions that yeah. take place during the day, and and that's that's the uh, the problem with that. But to to pursue that, you know, I I think that's a good idea. Uh, but obviously, Jesus realized that during the day we're going to deal with distractions. He did, and so what did he do? You know, he. He took part of his own time, which is sleeping. You know, he took time from that to 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 pray like he needed to pray, and uh, that's that's the point that uh, I got to tell you. There's times, you know, when I'm waking up in the morning. I mean, <clears throat> prayer is not uh, uh, getting more sleep is more of the priority than prayer, and I'm just being honest. It is, it's very hard to, for me anyway, to, to get up and do, but Jesus did that. And so that's, that's why I want to, uh, I, I, I still need to improve on that. That's something I think, I think. I think another one of the challenges, at least for me was to make sure you're not saying the same thing three times throughout the day. <laughs> Oh, in prayer? Yeah. Yeah. Not pray. Not, you know, the alarm goes off. And so you just say the same prayer, just, just trying to, and be thoughtful in, in what it is you're saying. Well, there's also, you know, if that's on your mind, though, there's nothing wrong with praying for those things. I mean, if that's what's troubling you, then, sure. then uh, you know, pray for it. Just keep praying for it. Uh, kind of like the unjust judge, you know, that woman kept coming to the unjust judge with the same thing until he finally gave it to her and, so I, I don't see a problem with taking the same things to the God in prayer. It's just, uh, you know, especially when it's troubling you. But uh, um, no, I understand what you're saying. You know, give give thought, work at your prayers, give thought to it. I, I agree with that. The other thing, unless somebody has something else, but uh, the other thing that, uh, boy, there's which one do I want to talk about? Purity of mind. You know, I, at 30 and, and, and continued on for a long time, I think the purity of mind was not emphasized enough in my life as much as the sins of commission, you know, the things that you do. And I was more concerned about the things that you do rather than, than evil thoughts. And, uh, you know, we're, we are inundated, especially now. I think it's harder now than when I was younger. But we are inundated by the devil with uh, the temptations that would control our thoughts. And in Matthew chapter 7, verse 20 through 23, Jesus said, that which comes out of a man is what defiles the man. From within, out of the heart of men, proceed what? Evil thoughts. And then he goes on to, also in the same breath, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. He says all these evil things pass from inside and defile the man. And the first thing he led off with before he led those things, I have no problem with, but evil thoughts. And uh, the Lord wants us to be pure. 
even in our thoughts. And, and that is something at 60 I think I need to improve upon is uh, uh, being careful of the thoughts that pass through my mind. And, and I'll use this as an example. Uh, you know, sometimes you're out in the world and you hear a lot of bad language. And something will happen. I mean, let's say you're working on something and you hit your thumb with a hammer and you may not say it, but an evil word will proceed through your mind. And, you know, that's something that shouldn't be there. And that's something, you know, I used to take pleasure in the fact that I didn't say the evil word, but the, the evil word shouldn't even be in my mind. And so that's something at 60 I wish I had a better handle on as evil thoughts to be able to have a more pure mind. What was the scripture reference you gave? That was in Matthew, one that, uh, oh, I'm sorry, Mark 7. Oh, okay. 20 through 23. Okay. But, uh, yeah, having, having control of your mind, I think, is something that uh, young people need to think a little bit more about if they want to, uh, you know, if they want to have fewer regrets when they get older because, yeah. That's not something I really thought about when I was younger. I, and I, I think that's important, especially with, as you said, all the influences that are around us, everything that we are inundated with. And, and sometimes we minimize certain things because maybe they're not as bad as what other things are. But the, you know, the problem is, and, and I think this was asked at our Bible class last night you know, the, the lesser of two evils is still evil. evil. You know, I mean, it's, uh, you know, that, that there's nothing good in evil, and whether, it, you know, we look at it as lesser or greater. And so uh, that, that's, that sometimes is a hard thing to grasp when, you know, we're, we're fighting this spiritual battle that, that is around us. And that's what we're doing, right? We are fighting this spiritual battle. And, you know, being able to, you know, have that purity of mind. I, I think that's why Peter in Second Peter chapter one, beginning in verse five, says there that, you know, that to be diligent, to add to your faith virtue, to your virtue, knowledge, to your knowledge, self-control, to your self-control, patience, to your patience, godliness, to your godliness, brotherly kindness, to your brotherly kindness, add love. And so, I think that that growing process is something that is so important because he says, do these things and you will never stumble, you know, but unfortunately when we start to, to lack in doing those things and that, that virtue, that moral purity uh, that we, you know, we add to our faith as we grow and draw closer to God, you know, when, when we're neglecting those things, then we're not going to be where we should be. Um, and it's obvious, even the very process, when we become a child of God, we are referred to as babes in Christ, right? Desiring the pure milk of the word. But even in that, it implies, you know, the idea of being born again, it implies that a, a new birth, but then what happens when, when a, a child is born, but growth, right? They grow, they learn things and they apply those things and that's what God is expecting us to do spiritually. Yeah. And, you know, I thought a lot about this concept lately as far as the mind is concerned. Um, sin by its very nature is corrupting. It, it, it's going to destroy you. And that's why it's such a big deal that we you know, involve ourselves with uh, entertainment that's filled with sin. And, and I know people, you know, will watch a, an R-rated movie and say, well, it's just language. Uh, you're corrupting your mind. That's the problem with, with that filthy language. You're corrupting your mind. And, and as Richard pointed out, uh, you might not ever say it, but, 
I mean, that those words are entering into your mind and, and it's going to corrupt it. And I'm not just talking about language either. There's all other sins that are involved in some of the things that we are exposing ourselves to that corrupt our mind. And if you don't think it is, you're lying to yourself. But I do want to say, um, in the old sacred selections, there's a verse in the song, Just As I Am. And it's not in some of the newer ones, but it says, Just as I am, poor, wretched, blind, sight, riches, healing of the mind, yea, all I need in thee to find, O Lamb of God, I come. And I kind of focus in on that idea of healing of the mind. The Word of God, God is able to heal your heart. He's able to cleanse your heart. He's able to heal your heart. And so whatever it is that's corrupting us, we can find cleansing from that. But we have to keep doing our part. Proverbs 4 verse 23 says, Keep your heart with all diligence, for from it flows the springs of life. You've got to guard it. And that means you've got to quit allowing all that nonsense to enter into it. And that's the only way we're going to find the true healing is when we eliminate the nonsense and, and fill it with pure things. Philippians 4 verse 8 says, Whatever things are true and noble and just and pure, and I don't have all those exactly memorized, but you know the verse I'm talking about. Um, years ago, I was on vacation with my family. And we had stopped at this church on Sunday morning to worship. And it was a tiny little church, and this older man was preaching. And, and he quoted that verse, and he says, You know, I tell young people, if they spent all their time thinking about these things, they wouldn't have time thinking about other things. And that's the principle. That if we fill our hearts with pure things and godly things, that's healing. And we don't have time to think about the unwholesome things. And so I I think all of us, to some degree, have corrupted our minds, but there is healing, and we can pursue that in Jesus, in Christ. And so, good lesson. Yeah, and you know, when one of the things when I when I reach the age, if I reach the age of (laughs) sixty, I I don't want to be the broken shell of a man that Richard is. I I I would rather be filled. Amen. Oh, that was good. <laughs> oh, that was so good. I mean, you just went right into that without even breaking stride. That's right. But it, <laughs> I mean, really, though, think about this. So often we, we think about it and we tell people things that they have to stop doing, things that they need to quit, things they can't do or shouldn't do. And and, and to, to the point that Josh was 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 making there in Philippians chapter four and verse eight, right? It's not just a matter of getting rid of things in our life, the worldliness and the ungodliness, immorality and, and all of those things, impurities, but replacing them, right? And that's what I think too often is neglected. You know, it's easy to tell someone not to do something or get rid of certain things and don't think about these things. But, but then what are you, what are you left with? Right. I mean, just an, an empty shell, uh, you know, because that's that feels empty, that is longing for something that, you know, mm-hmm. it was so full at one point, even though it was full of wrong things. But we need to replace it. Right. It needs to be filled with godliness. It needs to be filled with with the the righteousness of God, with the, uh, you know, uh, with humbleness and obedience and and thinking on those things which are good, right? We are equipped for every good work, so get out and do those works. And and, and I think, you know, if we can be characterized by that at any point in our life, um, particularly by the time we would reach a certain age such as 60, then I think we're on a right track. Absolutely. And I think that's crucial. Uh, um, you know, that is a major part of addiction counseling, replacing that with something positive. I know a lot of smokers will replace their uh, smoking with sunflower seeds. Mm-hmm. Um, and by the way, I love sunflower seeds. So if you eat me, see me eating sunflower seeds, it's not that I'm trying to overcome a smoking addiction. I just love sunflower seeds. Yeah, you. Um, could stop I've never. Anytime. What's that? You could stop smoking anytime. <laughs> well, I don't. But anyway, what does he smoke? Uh, Chris is, is it marijuana. <laughs> 
I don't smoke. But anyway, my point is, you know, they what they're doing is they're trying to replace that smoking with another habit, mm-hmm. and that's crucial to overcoming it. And the Bible even talks about that. A man having demon, a demon that was removed, and then the demon searches far and wide to try right. and find a place to dwell, and then he comes back to where he originally was and finds it swept and kept in order and empty. And so he goes and back gets, what was it, seven more worse than him? Yeah. And, and comes and dwells back within him, and the guy's worse off. And, and, and that's the point that they tell you. If you – it's not enough just to stop. So just stopping smoking is not just saying, well, I'm not, I'm just going to quit it. Well, what are you going to replace that with? What are you going to, you know, replace that habit with? And, and it, it's great that we want to remove sin and unwholesome and unholy things from our lives. That's wonderful. But if we're not replacing it with good godly habits, then, you know, it's, it's going to make it so much easier for us to just turn right back to the, uh, to the sin. And so, you know, I, I've, I've heard somebody say recently, you know, if you've got something that you're trying to replace, you need to become addicted to the ministry. The Bible does talk about that becoming addicted to ministry, um, serving others, the, the men and, you know, just becoming addicted to, to, being a faithful child of God, serving God and serving others. Uh, that's a good addiction. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead, Richard. Well, let's see the next one, I guess. And uh, I probably won't get to all these, but uh, so I'm trying to get the, uh, the, the, I will mention this. Uh, Cause I do want to mention it, but uh, they're, they're, loving your enemies and doing good for them. You know, I find that easier to do now with myself, but I find it very difficult to do when the persecution comes upon, uh, loved ones, friends or loved ones. I mean, I, that, that I really have a problem with, and I wish I was better at 60 uh, with Matthew five forty four, when Jesus said, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you and pray for those who despitefully use you and persecute you. Uh, you know, I have to recognize, you know, in my, uh, friends and families that when that happens to them, that is their, that is a, an opportunity for them to reflect Christ and, and me, you know, trying to come to their defense uh, yeah, that's, that may not be the best thing to do, but the one I really wanted to bring up is, uh, recognizing temptation. And this has been something that's been hard for me all my life. And I think it's because I don't, I am not watchful enough at 60 as I need to be first Peter five, eight, be sober minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Uh, being watchful. Recog- so many times when I find that I have sinned, it's because I didn't recognize I was being tempted. And a lot of times I'll sit back and I'll think, oh, wow, how did I miss this? That was, If I had recognized the temptation, I would not have sinned. But I don't recognize the temptation. And I think that happens based on my own observation, I think that happens to a lot more people than uh, just me. And at 60, I'd like to be better at that. And the only way I know to do that is to not take my adversary so life. I, I need to be watching more, expecting the temptation. But again, you know, like I just get so distracted by the things of this world, the things you get caught up in, that I am not... Uh, as aware as I need to be. That, that's something that uh, at 60, I wish I was better at. Josh, go ahead. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, as far as that goes, uh, the Bible talks about being watchful. First um, uh, Peter 5, 8 says, be yeah. sober, vigilant. Because the yeah. adversary, the devil, watched I just read that. I know. <laughs> Thanks for listening. The thing uh, is, if you know it's coming, 
and the Bible says it's coming. If you know it's coming, you should be watching for it. You know, if if uh, if you know the adversary is coming, then be prepared, be watching, and and I don't know why sometimes you know the temptation overtakes me when I should be expecting it, but for whatever reason. I get distracted and I don't expect it. And next thing you know, I get caught up in sin. And, it's, you know, for instance, we can incorporate this, loving your enemies, uh, you know, when the persecution comes. I mean, and for me, many times it's when I hear something, you know, like Chris got persecuted one time. And I, I just, I just couldn't, I mean, I, it, I just, I, it really hurt me. It really upset me because I knew the sacrifices he made to go to this particular town and to establish a work and to do these things. And, and I was going to, I was driving what, how long did it take you down there? Two, two hours, two, three hours to get down there. I was going there on Sunday nights so he could have a song leader, but the people who had invited him, oh, good one. The people, well, this was, he, he didn't say a good one. He just needed one. He's better but, than you think. I'll give him that. I'm not. No, no. But anyway. But uh, when when that came about, the people who invited him to start a church became persecutors of him. Uh, for, for the truth's sake, you know, I, I, I didn't expect the temptation to come upon me. And I'm just using this as an example. I was really mad at uh, the people who did that. And I should have should have sat back and thought, okay, you know, this is a chance for Chris to shine. This is an opportunity for him to be able to reflect Jesus. And, and so I got, I, I let that control I let the situation control me instead of me controlling the situation. And I only use that as an example. There's been, you know, times that has happened with family members and things of that nature. And I have to remember to love my enemies. And then when my fellow Christians are being persecuted for the same or righteousness sake, you know, that's, that's an opportunity for them to reflect Jesus as well. And, and, you know, by butting in like that, you, you just get in their way. And, uh, and so that's, that's not a good thing. And, and so that's, that's what I mean by recognizing temptation. Uh, a lot of times, you know, it's, it's very difficult, uh, for me to, uh, recognize temptation when it comes and that's because I get distracted by worldliness. There's the only other way to put it. I'm not being watchful as I need to be, you know, you, you get these young whippersnappers, right. That come in and, and they'll be like, well, you know, I can hang out and I can do all these things and I can go to these places and I'll try to be an influence on them, but I won't let them in. And pretty soon, you know, they're the ones being influenced rather than the other way around. And, mm -hmm. and I think it's because that, that, that very idea, that, that very reason you know, almost, you know, pride goes before fall in one sense, but in another sense is they, they're not looking for it. They're not paying attention to it because they, they just don't expect it to happen. Yep. And, you know, and I think this is especially true in, in dating relationships. <clears throat> we, we think, well, I'm going to be a good influence. Well, you may be, but let's take you, let's say you've got a cup of hot water and a cup of cold water and you pour them together into the same, same bowl. What's going to happen? They're both going to have an effect on each other. Yeah. So it's going to, the cold is going to bring the hot temperature down and the hot temperature is going to raise the cold temperature a little bit and they're going to meet in the middle. They both have an impact on each other. And I think we need to uh, be aware of that. But a conversation I was having earlier this week, and I think this touches on what Richard was saying there about not recognizing those things at times. Um, we all have character defects. Well, maybe not me but you know you know we, we all have character defects um and, and it's going to be different for every person obviously but uh you know one of the things that i was talking about earlier this week in a conversation i was having is what we can do is we can uh, 
figure out what that character flaw is. Let's say you fly off in a fit of anger. What's the opposite of that? Now, what's what's the positive opposite attribute that you want to have? Well, let's say patience. Uh, how can I be more patient? Uh, let's say, um, I don't know, what's another one? Um, let's say you have, you're, you're just gripped by fear. Well, what's the opposite of that? Learn to be more trusting. Uh, figure out what it is that this defect is and look about, think about how can I improve upon this? Not just how can I not be so angry, but what's where what's the end goal in mind where do i want to be with this and and i think as we start to reflect that or as we start to reflect on that we need to be uh, reflecting upon ourselves like richard was describing there okay i fell short in this area what what it is what is it that caused me to fall short uh, where am i falling short and how can i rectify that what do i want to do if this situation comes again how do I want to respond in that situation? And then what am I doing to get myself there so I can be the kind of person that I want to be? Uh, you know, one thing that bothers me is people have these toxic traits and, and they just say, well, that's just who I am. Or, you know, people who are just have just the shortest temper and they almost wear that like a badge of honor. Like, oh, yeah, I've got a short temper as if that's a good thing. And, and or they, well, that's just the way I am. No, you can change if you want to. And I think that's the whole point of this this lesson is the fact that we can change, we can grow, and we can be the kind of people that God wants us to be if we're willing to put in the work to get there. Yeah. And that's the purpose of the show is to, to try to encourage those who are younger to put in that work so that you don't become 60 and think, oh, man, I wish I was better. And maybe you will anyway. But uh, if you put in the work when you're younger, boy, you're going to be a pretty good man when you're 60. And uh, that's that's the that was the hope of this show, at least what I was thinking, was yeah. that we would encourage those who are younger to put in the work now. Because you will be, I mean, if the Lord allows it, you're going to get there. You're, you're going to be 60 and you'll be there before you know it. Yeah. And you're going to, you're, you know, if you're growing spiritually, you want to be a worthy tool of the Lord. And if you do these things, if you put in the work, then you're going to be a pretty good tool for the Lord at 60. And if you're not, if you're lacking in some things, that's going to be a regret is the fact that I was selfish and uh, when I was younger and I, you know, I, I didn't fill up my, I didn't have my uh, lampstand filled with oil. I, uh, I was being careless thinking I had all kinds of time and, and you don't. So, yeah. Is that your last thoughts, Richard? Well, I will just, I'll just real quickly. I'll just say this. I've always been a whiner. Uh, yeah. Uh, that was one of the points I was going to talk about. Don't whine, uh, being concerned, more concerned about others. Um, you know, those are just a few of my thoughts, but yeah. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, I'm done. Josh, last thoughts. Well, first Peter five and verse eight says to be sober, to be, <laughs> um, as far as, you know, this kind of idea of growth there's the word in the new testament sanctification um, there's the word holiness which is that state of being holy obviously god is holy and we're to pursue holiness to be like god but obviously we fall short none of us are perfectly holy in the way that god is but we're all but that word sanctification is that idea of the process of becoming Holy. It's a process. And I think, in a sense, all of us are works in progress. Yeah. And we need to be making progress. You know, Paul says in 2 Timothy chapter 2 
In verse 19, the firm foundation of God stands having this seal. The Lord knows those who are his, and everyone who names the name of the Lord is to abstain from wickedness. And then verse 20 talks about a large house. There's not only gold and silver vessels, but also vessels of wood, earthenware, some to honor, some to dishonor. It says in verse 21, Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from these things, talking about abstaining from wickedness there, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified, useful to the master, prepared for every good work. You know, Richard mentioned that idea of being useful for the master. We want to be useful to our master. And that means we've got to be holy and sanctified so that we can be of use to our master. And so I think that's a worthy goal for all of us to pursue sanctification uh, so that we can be useful to our master and prepared for every good work that he has in store for us. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, I want to close with this. First of all, don't blame others. Take responsibility. And, and, and certainly don't blame God, right, for where you are now and where and where you want to be in the future whether you get there or not take responsibility and and the idea of that's how i am is like saying that's how god made me that, that's just saying this is god's fault not my fault um, and that's not taking taking responsibility and and so take responsibility submit yourself to god and allow him to use you and mold you into the person he wants you to be um, because it, it can happen if you'll let him. And I'm going to close with a little bit different today because I want to close with um, the admonition of Third John in the first couple of verses, and that is simply this. May you prosper as your soul prospers. Oh, that's good. That's good. Are we well, done? Yeah, I'm done. Oh, okay. All right. All right. Well, tune in to Meridian Spirits next week. <laughs> We'll be, uh, well, we may, we may, Josh may not be with us next week, but, uh, oh, he won't be with us next week. Well, we may have something else going, but, uh, tune in next week for another episode of Marine Spirits. Well, folks, that's all for today. Don't worry. Lord willing, the guys will be back next week for another Bible study on Marine Spirits. Until then, let the guys hear from you. Drop them some email at koreanspirits at gmail.com. They'd love to hear from you. Until next time, keep studying that Bible. <laughs>